0: Leeds, 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 what is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. I want to speak to 1,000 loiners over the course of what I vaingloriously believe is the most important decade in the history of the human species, and I want to ask those loiners about what they do all day, and hear how they feel about it all. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Um, I guess all manner of things. Um, when I was very little, I saw a picture of a glassblower in a book and I thought that looked really appealing. And then later on, I guess my ambitions sort of evolved according to what I was interested in at the time. But always things to do with writing a lot of the time, um, mm. an author or, or a writer of some, some description.
0: Yeah, journalist.
1: Maybe more fiction.
0: You're listening to Series 3, Episode 4, and my guest, Claudia Wardle. This is another Zoom interview, recorded on the 25th of January 2022. Hey up! So, my guest this week is currently in a band. She's writing a novel, and she is a run leader for recovery runners. She also works. Claudia Wardle works in executive search as a headhunter handling top executive and non-executive high-profile appointments for predominantly UK organisations. Claudia specialises in the public sector and especially higher education. We cover the usual topics, with some diversions into discussing commuting and working while being pregnant. I'm not going to do any call to actions this episode. If you have heard this show before, then you know the drill on those. Um, I will be back briefly at the end. So what is it that you're doing now then?
1: Yeah, so now I'm working in executive search, um, so as a headhunter within mm. the public sector, which is quite interesting. It's not something I'd ever envisaged doing. Mm. Um, to be honest, I wasn't even too sure of its existence until you know, relatively recently. Yeah. Um, but basically, I was in academia. So again, when you ask what did I want to be when I grew up, I guess the question, well, the answer to that question when I was kind of as of the age of about 16, 17, was very much academia, Yeah, um, working in academia. But I guess I did that for a while. I was doing a PhD. Um, and as much as I really enjoy research and my own research, um, I took a break because I really wanted to get into the real world, so to speak, yeah. and get into actual work kind of um, thing. And... In doing so, I found myself, yeah, working in in executive search and headhunting. So I'm kind of on the other side of the fence now mm. and and working with academia. Um mm. and working on kind of high profile appointments for universities and higher education institutions and things like that rather than being within.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're kind of keeping contact with that world but being in a, a commercial environment. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So sort of day-to-day then, you know, being a headhunter, what are you doing? Are you looking through pages of people's pictures of headshots and saying, we'll have this one? Or like, how do you do it on a day-to-day basis? So
1: basically between our various clients um, in the practice, so as I say, I'm specializing at the moment in higher education in in that practice within our firm. Um, So within the practice, we have various assignments going on at any one time. Mm -hmm. So with different clients, they might be new clients or longstanding clients. And so say, for example, a university is looking for a vice chancellor and we're supporting uh, that university in that appointment. I might be working on that one. I might also be working on a professional services role. So these are all sort of executive or non-executive, sort of, as I say, higher profile, more senior positions. So I might be working on sort of five assignments at any one time so i'm speaking to various candidates or potential candidates um you know going through different profiles seeing who might be aligned um a lot of it's a lot of it's talking to various different people and understanding their kind of experiences and motivations and whether they're suited it's it's quite interesting really
0: mm. and is it i mean is it quite easy to sort of tempt people do you have to kind of I, I mean, so you are you literally approaching people and say, "Have you ever thought of working at this institution rather than that one?" And we can offer you more money. I mean, that's how I imagine it being. Is that am I anywhere near what you're actually doing?
1: I guess to a degree. I think because of the nature of these sort of appointments and the fact that they're so senior. Because again, I've also worked in sort of more government, government and health and, and things. Usually, you're usually the people you're approaching are hmm, not not every time but a lot of the time they're already in a position which for which the next step would be the one you're talking to them about hmm. so if you're speaking to deputy vice chancellors and people of that nature the next step for them might naturally be a vice chancellorship but it might not be too out of the blue but there are so many other sort of factors at play and When you say, you know, one institution over another, yeah, some definitely are more appealing to different people. Sometimes the locations are just, it's very difficult to (laughs) to find people who want to move there. Mm. Um, That's what I'm working on at the moment, which I won't disclose, but, yeah, the the location makes it difficult. Um, So, yeah, it depends really, but then sometimes you're going a bit more left field and you're looking for more commercial people for certain roles or so, Mm. to be honest, there's no set
0: formula. Yeah um so what are the things that you like about the job I mean how did you get into it and what sort of kept you there
1: as I mentioned I had been in academia for a good while and I was tutoring and lecturing and things which which I do really enjoy that sort of human interaction side um but a lot of the research I was finding a little I don't know really I guess I was feeling a little lonely Mm. and there were other sort of personal factors I guess I just decided I need to take a break from this, so I'm. I am technically on a break from academia, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see because yeah, getting into this, I think this is possibly a bit, a bit of a more suitable um, career path for me. Um, I basically moved to Leeds because I thought, well, I was already, I had been living in York and I just thought, well, I'd love to stay around Yorkshire. Leeds felt like quite a thriving place, but also not too much of a bustling metropolis, I guess. Yes. Um, and I knew that a lot of businesses were being attracted to Leeds and there was a lot going on. So I thought, well, I'll move there and um, and get a job. So the first the first job in this kind of sector that I went into was actually more in the life sciences and, and biotech space. So it was executive search um, of sorts, but more in that space because, sorry if this is a bit convoluted, Because while I was doing my research masters a few years ago, um, I did work part-time in sales within life sciences and biotechnology and things. So at least when I got into this sector, I knew when I got into the executive search space, I knew that sector rather than, um, rather than this kind of operating environment, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, and then and you knew all there, the jargon and lingo as well. So you yeah. could, yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah, so I started off at, at a smaller boutique firm and then about a year ago moved to a big firm that's based in London but has a Leeds office. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's going well. I'm really enjoying it and just seem to have slotted into the public sector really in terms of, you know, consulting for, for organisations which I quite like. There's something appealing, I think, about working with the public sector.
0: Mm. So, um, I mean, in terms of the workload, do you drive the majority of the work or is it, you know, how, how does the work come to you? Is it you constantly looking through stuff, being proactive all the time? It kind of sounds like that's the case.
1: Yeah, so to a degree. Um, so basically, I think in the, in the firm I'm in, as well as, as, well as in sort of analogous firms, the teams are also sort of structured so people have different roles so I'm working as a researcher so I'm doing a lot more of the sort of candidate engagement and that side of things whereas you know consultants who have been in the role for a lot longer um are doing more of the client engagement and then obviously there are um there are various sort of Um, I was going to use an Italian word then, Um, various uh, nuances in between. Mm. Um, So, yeah, but having worked in this for, you know, overall not too long and having been at the company, I've sort of started as a researcher and then the plan is to kind of move through to become more client facing and start winning the work rather than doing a lot of the execution, which is kind of just how, how these firms are structured and how the well, it works so <laughs>
0: yeah cool um so let's go we'll start off with uh, talking about the lockdown so were you in this role before the pandemic or did you start during the pandemic
1: yeah so i went into this line of work during the pandemic and then i all so i got my first job within this during the pandemic and then I also moved into my current company during the pandemic (laughs) so it's got two jobs during the pandemic
0: (laughs) (laughs) did you interview for them both remotely then I guess and yes yeah so have you I I I, are you back into the office now
1: we have been um since things are slightly up in the air or I think haven't we yeah, so at time of recording, we <laughs> we were um, we were advised to work from home where possible. I think that rule or piece of advice has just been revoked. So I think we're all going back into the office again um, as of sort of next week or the week after, and mm. that'll be as it was previously for a short period, which was for about two days a week. So yeah, that true hybrid system of part home working and part office.
0: Yeah. So did, it, did you find that much of a disruption then sort of, you know, as we went into lockdown and working from home or did you already have previous experience of sort of working remotely?
1: Yeah, well, I think having worked in academic research, that's a lot of mm. solitary working. So I was very used to cracking on, focusing. Um, but if anything, I, I tended to work out and about. So actually working strictly from home was a bit different, but I think I adapted to it quite easily. My partner has also been working from home. So we were both in the same boat and supporting each other, I guess. Mm. But we were living in a flat, which was perfectly nice. But you can probably see from my background, we've got a far nicer place now. We've bought a house, but we were renting a flat. And it was difficult working off a dining table with cables all over the
0: show and did you both work at the same time and that kind of worked all right or was it like right you work these hours and i'll work these hours and because we need to work separately or did it work out okay
1: no, it worked out okay you do hear of people at each other's at each other's throats and needing to separate into different rooms but we've been fine actually yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> good good yeah so it sounds like it was you know not a not a major kind of disruption for you are you, I mean, are you looking forward to going back into the office? I, I mean, I, I say in terms of not being a major disruption, but it was kind of like you're working from home, you used to working from home. It was kind of like just get on with it and kind of wait until you can go back into the office. Is that the case?
1: Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Um, and the other thing is in terms of a full-time commercial role, I hadn't been in one before. So actually yeah. this is all I've known. Um, you know, working in In academia and sort of in the research in a research capacity, and then giving the odd lecture and things that wasn't full time work. you know that study with some work. My actual um, full time commercial working career has only ever been kind of this this hybrid model, either full time home working or but yeah, five days a week in an office is something I've never known, and I wonder if I'll ever know
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. And it, like, you know, if you do do it, what you'll think of it, <laughs> it's like, I've spent yeah. five days in this office, that's strange. We'll go from COVID to Brexit. So has Brexit affected what you do? And, you know, can you tell, because I, when I've asked this question before, people have just sort of like, well, it's hard to tell what Brexit's doing and what COVID's doing. So can you see any kind of like discernible effects on your work from Brexit? Or again, is it something you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell because you started this role after we'd Brexited?
1: Yes. As you say, um, (laughs) I had entered this sort of work after we had Brexited. Um, I like how you put it. In which case, I can't necessarily draw on any measurables or discernible Mm. metrics to sort of yeah to sort of map what's changed but I can at least say that in my previous company we worked a lot with European countries so in that job I was actually well I was about to say targeting maybe not quite as uh very sales speak (laughs) I was um I had clients who were sort of in Germany um, or, you know, various other, particularly Germany, it just so happened, but in other European countries, and that didn't seem to be an issue. There didn't seem to be any barrier Mm. whatsoever. Um, And when I say Europe, obviously, I I mean countries in the European Union, Mm. um, which, of course, not all European countries are. Um, Whereas in this role, albeit that our firm is international we are quite UK focused so I'm really working with UK institutions in the main um, and for that reason I wouldn't say that there that for me personally there's too much of um, an impact to be
0: discerned I mean is it creating any more work because I, I mean you know the 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 employment landscape in academia is very okay, there's, there's probably areas where it needs to be more diverse, but it's quite diverse in terms of there are people from all over the world who are teaching in the UK. Um, so, and a lot of those people will have been from EU 27 and some of them will have gone home or will have thought again about staying in the UK or they'll have got citizenship or a variety of things. Um, like, is there any, what am i trying to ask it, is there any, like, is there any discernible change? And I'm I'm, I'm thinking of something else, but I I think let's, do you notice any change in the, the kind of makeup of people that you're trying to attract or people that you're trying to get, um, or is it more like you have to focus on more UK based people because there's more complications with paperwork when someone wants to move between institutions, like how's it, how's it looking?
1: Yeah, I understand. Um, so well, bef- <clears throat> just working across the, speaking for the, the wider public sector, I suppose, working with the NHS in those very senior positions, usually those were people who were already in the British health system. Mm-hmm. So I didn't notice too much of it there. In higher education, I would say a lot of the time, there have actually been recent appointments of, Um, more high-profile figures within UK higher education institutions who are from EU countries. So that's definitely not posed a problem, I would say. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, when you get into the fundamentals and nitty-gritty, there were any issues there, I'm not too sure because I didn't personally handle those. A lot of the time we do speak to, you know, potential candidates in European countries, but it's, it's sort of in the same way that we speak to Australians, for example, because the Australian higher education system is quite akin to ours. So, in fact, maybe Australia would be even more natural a place to go um, in search of of people for some of these sorts of position. Likewise, it 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 doesn't stop. It doesn't stop us approaching anybody. Um, if anything, it's been the COVID pandemic, which has caused more disruption with people feeling like they're stranded or what have you. And that's actually been more of an issue, I think, with far further afield locations.
0: All right then. So we have a question, well, I have a question on climate change. Is that something that's a concern for you in your work? Is it something that comes up in your work and is there anything that you can do with your work that's kind of addressing or alleviating or working on climate change?
1: I think in other practices within our firm, as I say, so those working more in maybe the industrial practice and and what have you with those sorts of clients, they would have a completely different, although they do the same job as me, they would probably have a completely different answer for you. Um, Whereas working in higher education, um, possibly it's from a sort of different angle. So definitely a lot of the clients you work with are driving research and driving change mm. <clears throat> around environmental issues and, and and those related to climate change from a firm perspective definitely definitely my firm like a lot of others have you know measures in place and you know strategic objectives mm. surrounding um environmental consciousness um so i think there are definitely things going on you know even this probably just sounds kind of generic, but you know, um cutting down on on using paper. We're going completely paperless, for example. Mm. And those sorts of things. So probably just in those regards. Um, I yeah. don't think my job really touches on climate change in the same way that I don't know, my brother's does, for example, who works as a, an air quality consultant. So he literally yeah. works within kind of environmental sciences. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there wouldn't necessarily have been well, I, I guess I'm asking this, so, like would in, in that industry and in in, even in the business, would they have been doing travel to, to meet people before or, tra- you know, like as part of the process of like trying to attract people, would there be face-to-face meetings and that's kind of been replaced by all the remote sort of working stuff? Is that?
1: Yes, definitely. So, you know, business development meetings with clients, would often be face-to-face obviously those couldn't be anymore and i think a lot of the time with those being often over a coffee or lunch that does make things a little bit more difficult because i suppose a lot of business development the more kind of organic and authentic it can be the better i guess Mm. which isn't the case really with logging on to a a zoom call i guess well Mm. it can be i mean our conversation right now is is authentic and organic because we know what what we're doing there's probably not a huge difference conducting this over zoom Um, but I suppose maybe with a business development meeting in some ways, possibly some of the art is taken away, um, by being virtual, not sure. Um, then client meetings in general, those are often in those were often face to face and a lot of those went virtual, but we're gradually going back to face to face. Preliminary interviews of candidates, which our firm us at the time and kind of psychometric testing and things those were i think usually face-to-face but can be done over zoom um so for example in that instance i think it's been been a real aid because sometimes i guess it's not necessary to actually um conduct some of these things in person yeah and then yeah the same with the sort of final panels you know, at various organizations or companies. I suppose a lot of those then had to go online, but again, they're returning to in the flesh.
0: Yeah. Is that just, do you think that's just force of habit? I mean, most, all the organizations, oh, well, all organizations have had long enough in terms of people returning to the office to decide, you know, the value of being in the office versus not being in the office and the savings you know the cost benefit analysis of that um like do you think do you think you'll remain kind of hybrid working where you've sort of you, you, you kind of just come into the office when you need to or do you think it'll be in the office sort of regularly because they want everyone there and they want them working together
1: no i think i think definitely hybrid so as i mentioned my firm is headquartered in london so my team apart from one partner, everybody else is actually based in London. Mm. Um and he's kind of on the road a lot more than I am due to the nature of his role. So actually when I'm in the Leeds office, it's a lovely environment. It's great because mm. we're we're a small office because we're sort of a satellite office for a, a London-based firm. Um but the people who were there with me, you know, they're colleagues, but they're actually in a sister business or mm. they work in a different area. So yeah we're not collaborating anyway. It's more for the social side. Yeah. Which is nice. So I go and I go there sort of twice a week, which I really enjoy. And then when I'm working with my team, I go down to London say every two weeks, mm. which which works for me really well. Yeah. Um. Because you know then I can stay overnight and maybe do something social with the team as well. But to be honest with you, personally, I I would actually prefer more interaction with direct colleagues and more collaboration because. Sometimes I don't feel that Zoom or Teams, whilst it really does have its benefits in some ways, for sure, Mm. I don't feel that sometimes it really does conduce to proper, I don't know, imaginative thinking or creative collaboration, Mm. um, which I think is great for work output and results and innovation, but it's also really good. On a personal level, so I, I like yeah. that kind of stimulation with other people. I know other people; yeah. some people aren't like that so much, um, but I am, and I think I do miss out on that a little. But then the benefits also balance a lot of that out. So I don't know if I, I think I I'd have mentioned to you. Um, I'm actually currently pregnant, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah and, and, and due in May. So, well, f- firstly, I'll, I'll be on you know parental leave which I'll, I'll share with my partners you know do a few months each but i think after that having a, a young child within this new hybrid working environment is going to be a lot better for me than yeah. how it would have been before um you know yeah. having to be in the office from this time until this time without the flexibility so yeah. i guess all of these things there can be a bit of a trade off.
0: Do you think there'll be a possibility as well? Well, congratulations as well. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, do you think there'll be a possibility, though, of the scenario of, like, you'll have a screaming baby and a Zoom call to do at the same time, and it's like you might have just had the screaming baby if you'd been on maternal leave in a different kind of context? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> uh, hopefully it'll be the best, you know, best version of that. Um well, I think as well that you brought up an interesting point there in terms of the the working on your own. Like, um, so I'm sort of working on this, but I'm working essentially on my own. And that, you know, saying, you saying, going into the office and having that kind of collegiate environment, the social environment and social aspect there. Like, I do think it helps to have, you don't necessarily have to have a collaborator but it helps to have other people working around you and they don't even necessarily to be, you know, necessarily need to be working on the same thing. And like, I can understand the idea of co-working. I mean, uh, there's, there's something in there in terms of that benefit of being in an office with other people and being able to work with them. I mean, it doesn't always have to be directly the benefit of them sort of giving you a lead or giving you some information. It can be you know, sort of grapevine information where someone tells you something and you go, oh, I know someone who's doing something else on that. You should speak to them. Those kind of opportunities. I don't think I've got a question here. So I'm just going to get you to speak on that if (laughs) if you've got anything to add.
1: No, definitely. I completely agree with you. Um, It's that sort of intelligence that's easier to share when you're all Mm. together. And and it's more organically shared than dropping somebody an email, definitely. Um, But in terms of efficiency, perhaps it is better um Mm. in the virtual in the virtual way but definitely as you're saying it's that sort of vital intelligence sharing and an idea Mm. exchange that's what's missing to a degree from from hybrid working um but at the same time you know it's good for me as well that I can work around other people with whom I'm not necessarily directly working on something for, mm. for the reasons you said you know the sort of co-working environment um and actually you know going to going to see my team every two weeks or whatever in london that's probably oh. enough oh no we've frozen
0: hello are oh, you back oh <laughs> no <laughs> you are we froze okay? them for a bit yeah you froze them for a bit um I can't remember. It's really, it's really awful when that happens because the immediate thing you do is you panic. <laughs> like where have they gone? <laughs> well, what I should be doing is remembering what you were saying for when you come back and be certain that you are going to come back, but I have no faith in the technology. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I can't, I can't remember where we, we got up. To how, how much you got into that, but you were talking about, um, basically spontaneity and the way of, of, of working um should we move on to another question sure yeah <laughs> so i'm not going to be able to pick that up again
1: no it's fine i think <laughs> enough has been sad
0: <laughs> okay so uh we've done brexit and covid um i'll do a quick sort of round on social media um I, how much does social media sort of affect your work do you have to be on social media for work do you have to do your own social media work like how much is it a part of your role
1: so although there are many companies who work within the sort of you know talent space Mm. um, who rely on LinkedIn quite a lot for messaging people and and what have you um, I think because we work at a certain level a lot of our potential candidates and Contacts and everything are are usually people who are known to us, but they're not always. So I think in addition to various other kind of resources that we use, we do also make use of LinkedIn with it being a professional (laughs) social media platform. Mm. Um, So yeah, on the odd occasion, well, more than the odd occasion, um, some correspondence is conducted on LinkedIn. For example, if you don't have an email address for somebody, it's the best way to Mm. pop them a message. So yeah, it does factor but but only LinkedIn for work. I don't really use other social media for my work. I do for hobbies. I've so got various uh, side projects, which although they're not paid, I guess are technically work. Um, <laughs> so I might use other social media platforms. But yeah, for, for my full-time paid work, it's really just LinkedIn, I would say.
0: Mm. I mean, so... I would say that LinkedIn's really kind of come up in the world the last few years. Um, I mean, even though it's been around forever, it's sort of like now people are kind of actually using it as, as a social media platform. I mean, it must be great in your line of work just to have essentially the majority of people there, because I can't imagine like, how often do you come across people that you're researching who aren't on LinkedIn in, in this field?
1: Yeah, not too often. Yeah. But then a lot of people also don't update yeah. their LinkedIn profile yeah. too well. And I think if people are non-executive directors with like portfolio careers or something sitting on various boards, maybe they're a certain age, they probably aren't using it. But yeah, yeah you're right. It's a it's a valuable tool Um, that it wouldn't make sense to ignore.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if there was a universally basic income, so basically if you're being paid enough money to live and you, you know pay the majority of your bills, would you still work? And if you were still working, would you be in the same job, or would you change certain things of it? Of like, I'd only do three days. Like, what do you think you would do?
1: Um, I understand that this is supposed to be a fun question, but I really need to understand the uh, the, the of kind of detail works. of how this would work. <laughs> uh, so, in this in this scenario, is ever would everybody be on this same?
0: Everybody's income? getting yeah basic income yeah. So, like a like the citizens' income, like Green Party going about,
1: yeah. Um, and then additional work is sort of optional for people if they so wish.
0: Well, yeah. So the idea is to, as everyone's part of the society, they get a stipend of like here's some money to live in this society, and then that money obviously spent back into the system because it's been paid in, you know, tax tokens. So <laughs> we can we can pay any tax on it and then you would do any additional work that was needed. Um, so when they piloted this, they found that things like, you know, people will work or they'll work a bit less and have more time off, but because people don't have to work, they're less stressed out, they feel happier, they feel healthier, they have more time for things like accidents and making sure they don't have all of these kind of positive benefits. Um, but then you get into the whole discussion of, Who's going to pay for it? How's it going to be paid for? And then all the economists argue about what money is and what's real and what's not real. And um, But yeah, it is, like you say, it's supposed to be a fun question of if you didn't have to work. Yeah, you. <laughs> I get you.
1: Well, this is interesting because this is where some of my slightly more left-leaning tendencies start to rear their head and I start thinking about the, all the benefits of a society of that nature. Um, but rather than get into that, i'll answer the question yes i would still work um obviously the nature of of the work and the clients and things would all be dependent on this system i guess i wonder how universities would operate or what what have you but yes i'd still work um in that scenario i would possibly do something differently or split my time differently so for example i'm currently writing a novel in the scenario you've posited probably more of this novel would have been written by now or maybe i would have kept up with a bit more of my academic research and being able to balance that a bit more easily. Um, So probably in that instance, I would look more at balance between a few different projects, which I am Mm. still currently doing, but obviously the paid work takes such a huge amount of time Mm. um, that it can be difficult And some of these projects. You can't put quite the time in some that you would or you end up... um, your diary's a block, which is fun. Um, mm. Probably I would just approach things a bit differently, and yes, but time between things in the way that I wanted to in in,
0: in that mm. way are you quite are you quite good with your time management? Are you like do you feel that you're kind of I know how to organize my time?
1: Yes, um, I am actually very good at that. Um, I like to fill time with lots of different things, so I'll schedule, you know, so I've scheduled this in to my work day then I'll schedule in, you know, time to go to the gym. Um mm. or so I'm also part of this not for profit um, which is a a running community, um mm. working with with people who are recovering from kind of various mental health, um, mm-hmm. or mental ill health or physical ill health or various things like that. Um and we're sort of trying to grow the organization and you know get charitable status it's really it's nascent stages um so there's that and then i'm kind of i'm in a a band um i'm also trying to do this get this novel kind of done in in its own time obviously because you can't Mm. force these things so um and obviously i spend a lot of time with my partner and yeah so yeah i think I, i think because of all the things i like to fill my time with i then have to be very very disciplined
0: but you're you kind of are anyway do you think it would just give you like loads more stuff to do would it just mean more scheduling for you (laughs) yeah maybe all these windows (laughs) like i have to fill this time i'll fill this time (laughs) yeah true (laughs) might be too much (laughs) but then you know you could go the other way and people will quite easily you know if you give them the opportunity people will fill your time up as well yeah (laughs) that's true yeah we'll do this we'll do that so you'd basically stay in the same sort of work. I mean, I, I, as I've asked this question, um, whenever, when I've asked this question before, before I started doing this, like the general answer that people would give me was sort of either go traveling or study again, but I suppose, cause this is a work kind of context thing. Everyone's thinking about work and whether they'd be in work or not. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think I might study first. Might be the path that I go down, you know, like go back to uni and do sort of the next thing, but yeah, it would be, it would be nice to have, but it's not happening yet. So, (laughs) (laughs) so if you could change anything about your role, carte blanche, you can change whatever you want. So what three things would you change about the role?
1: Um, I should pay myself more money. (laughs) 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 Is that what a lot of people say? I don't know. Um, Quite often. Why not? (laughs) you would obviously, um, no, it's a terrible thing to, to say, especially first. Um
0: maybe <laughs> it's an honest thing to
1: say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm not sure what else really. Um I quite enjoy it. And the other thing is, you know, I've been in this line of work for maybe coming up to two years, but only a year in my current company. I feel like I'm still to a degree finding my feet yeah, I well you. i found my feet but i'm still yeah. kind of in this yeah so i wouldn't want to You because know, you could always say something like or oh, what i would change is i would already have moved up the up the rungs you know and, and gained all of this experience but actually without patience dedication um and faith and, and various other virtues which is the reality of the world without these really you can't attain um you know a higher status or all of this experience and become you know so actually you just have to put in the time don't you really and everything you can't do it
0: by osmosis you have to actually spend time yeah
1: yeah exactly um and then obviously you know your your salary increase comes with with that and all that sort of stuff so um i'm gonna say i wouldn't really change much i'll just give it its time and put the put the work in and and you know see what happens with the career
0: I mean like it sounds very much like you're kind of curious with this sector with this industry and you just kind of like let's see where this goes. Like you sound you know like nothing seems to be kind of putting you off it you're not kind of I don't like this or I don't like that or this has been difficult it's just kind of oh this is all interesting so that's the the impression that I get from what you've said is that's fair this is like oh this is all interesting and new and there's things to learn here is that sort of yeah and
1: that does summarize it thank you and actually in your um in your sort of you know marketing for for this podcast i've seen you say come and come and talk to me sort of reframe your ideas of of work and and think Mm. about it in a different way or through the prism that that you present to the guest Mm. through through which to view their work um actually I suppose that is what we're doing and ultimately when it comes to it yes I think that is very fair to say you know I've been doing this now for a bit of time so I can definitely make an assessment of it but likewise it does need more time and I think it is fair to say that I'm full of sort of curiosity and intrigue and and want to give it a fair crack and sort of Mm. see how it goes um and thankfully this day and age as well you know you can have a child and um that doesn't Disrupt yeah, anything
0: exactly. you
1: know yeah no exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah so you, you yeah I, I mean do you think that they said you know it seems like a an organization that's going to look after its staff as well so do you get that kind of vibe of that you know they're not trying to do an over on you they want to keep you sweet as much as you want to keep their clients sweet is that the sort of
1: yeah? yeah I'd say it's like that yeah mm. um I mean ultimately you know a big corporation is a is a big corporation um mm. there's, there's no point pretending it's not um but yeah there are there's definitely some that are better than others i think um mm. yeah this is a good
0: one mm. so i I mean I've got sort of a question on the future i, I mean we've done we've gone through this pretty quick um oh right sorry but... no no, no, <laughs> Was no I... I, it's too conclusive. You're very concise. <laughs> um, so what was I going to say then? Uh, yeah. So in terms of future, I, I mean, like, obviously I don't want to put you in a position where you're like, oh, here's my five-year plan. And, you know, I want my boss to promote me at this point and they better give me... <laughs> you know, I don't want to give away your, your working secrets or whatever. But do you? It sounds like you're going to be here for the next sort of few years. And potentially as well, sounds like this is something that you could consider making a career of from what you said. I mean, obviously you've got all these other projects on as well. So say, you know, say you get the novel done and that takes off. I mean, this is a bit like the UBI question or you, you know, your band records a a hit song. Is it follow that path? I, I mean, would that put you in a bit of a quandary or like well, I'm enjoying this job and I don't know if there's any future in these creative avenues that I've had a brief success in. Do you think that would derail you and you'd want to go down those routes or do you think you'd be kind of, no, I have to follow the sensible path and keep working and that's all bonus?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, It would really depend. But I I think with everything, balance is quite key. Mm. So yeah, it would it would really have to depend it would really depend. It's, it's such a difficult question. Um, but I am really enjoying what I'm doing. I would really like to make a proper career of it. Um, also, the genre that my band plays is so niche that I don't think that's it's going to explode in any real way. Um, yeah, you never know.: <laughs> Anything: yeah. happen. No, exactly. But oh, in some ways, I would reevaluate. I mean, I think it's important too, to reevaluate not in some sort of neurotic perpetual cycle, but definitely to e- evaluate your life on a sort of somewhat regular basis, you know, in terms of gratitude, particularly, um first and foremost, I guess, and then sort of personal kind of adherence to kind of y- your own integrity, I guess, you know, are you, are you being the best, you know, sorry to sound sort of, uh,
0: we have some phrases we have. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think evaluating your life and, and, and what you're putting in and what you're getting out um, and all of these things have to be weighed up because, you know, as much as I made the joke about um, what would you change about your job or just increase the salary, Um, you know, as much as I made that joke, um and there is obviously truth in it um you know at the same time money is not everything and as you as i suppose was was kind of at the root of your question about the ubi if you can get by financially and you're absolutely fine Mm. that's what matters i mean there are people in this world who are clearly desperate for as much money as they can get Mm. and that's fine I, i wouldn't judge anyone for that and you know I'm um, hoping that my career, you know, becomes more, even even more lucrative, you know, as I uh, progress with it. But at the same time, that's not my ultimate ambition. You know, it's m- much more important to me that my, you know, my family's health, for example, or, you know, my, my, my relationship with my partner and then the baby that we have and balancing these things and making sure that, uh, that I suppose you're doing your best. Not only for yourself, but those close to you, you know, rather than prizing mm. um, financial gain um, above everything else. Mm. So, yes, yeah, this, this is getting quite
0: deep. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you it, it, it kind of should in some ways. I mean, we, we spend the majority of our life in work and we spend so little time talking about, it. you know, we'll spend more time talking about something that's in the news of people we'll never meet than we do talking about something we do every day. And the extent of the conversation that we quite often have with work is, you know, you meet your friends and they're like, how's work? And you go, it's like this. And then you might have a bitch about a particular thing, but that's kind of it. And then you go out with work colleagues and you'll talk about work for a bit. And then you're trying to kind of divert onto something else because it's like, well, we're at work all day. um. So it seems like we spend a lot of time trying not to talk about work and what we spend all our time doing, which I think is a little bit weird. (laughs) yeah you're right
1: Uh, that's why I think this podcast is fascinating and I was quite keen to to come and speak because it's it is really interesting um even just the idea of a commute you know a lot of people spend a lot of time commuting or I think I've even thought it might be interesting to you know host at some point some kind of exhibition or something of I don't know if it's photography or something just of the commute that the Mm. you know what what that is captured you know, in visual form um, or something of what that even means to people, whether it's, you know, no commute or whatever, whether, I don't know, it's the juxtaposition of, you know, the alarm going off at half five or something and somebody getting Mm. onto a cramped train versus maybe what it has been over, Mm. you know, the the whole pandemic period and the lockdowns, which probably looks a lot more like somebody kind of rolling out of bed at half eight or something to get ready for nine, like downstairs. (laughs) I don't know. But um, you're right. These are all things that people spend a lot of time doing or they become ingrained. And and actually, yeah, people are are avoiding talking about work because a lot of the time as well, people, it it goes over everyone else's head because you're doing something that's just so different. So unless you sort sort of take the time to break it down, it's difficult to... um, to understand, and I suppose people mm. feel that other people might not be too interested in what they do, or yeah, there's mm. all kinds of reasons, I guess.
0: Mm. It's like, so I've talked to you know, sort of talking to creative people. So I was talking to someone who worked in TV, and they were talking about how, um, you know, when you tell people that you work in TV, you know, most jobs you tell people what you do, they're like, uh, you know, unless it sounds like you earn loads of money, and then if you tell people you work in TV. Like in the theatre, not so much TV, film, people will be like, really? And they're really interesting. It's like, well, I'm just a secretary on whatever. <laughs> like I only do that. But it's still interesting because you're in that sector. Um, what is the point of this? Why am I saying this? Um, I, well, I do think it's interesting how we, how we assess these jobs as well. So it's kind of, we ask people what they do all the time. And the majority of the time, you, you don't know. Well, you know they'll tell you but it's like I don't know what that is I don't know what that does like I don't know what your day-to-day is are you sat in an office or you in a factory or are you in a field or
1: yeah <laughs> no it's true but also the very nature of the question what do you do why should that necessarily be answered by what do you get paid for because you know a lot of yeah. people are working and you do enjoy what you do of course but ultimately mm-hmm. for the vast majority of people you're doing that to earn money for other things so you make the best of it don't you, you make what you can out of it and you try to tie other things into it and do your best and derive you know a lot of self-worth from it and things like that but at the same time what do you do as a question kind of in your life well should that should the answer to that maybe be more should it should the answer to that be more aligned to a question like you know what do you do in your life that you feel is representative of you? Yeah. <laughs> or what, what do you do that's that really reflects the true essence of you?
0: <laughs> yeah, something. what are you best proud know. of? Or what are you, yeah. It's like yeah. those, what's your best achievements kind of thing. Um. It's a difficult one to kind of ask. I mean, it's, most of these things are just the habits, aren't they? Like asking people, how do you do? And good morning. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, are you all right? And then... Most of the time, people don't want to know the answers to that question. And most of the time, people are like, I'm fine. How are you? Things like that. You know, you don't want you don't want someone to respond with like, everything's wonderful and I'm going to tell you why. and Or everything's terrible and I'm going to tell you why. You just no. want, you're just being polite most of the time. That, there's something else that, th- there's definitely another, oh, so this was a, one thing that I thought about while we were talking. So, um, I haven't asked about this for a while, but it was, remember for a period of time maybe between lockdowns there was a huge big thing about workplace well-being and you know all of the well-being stuff now you've you've got a lot of kind of extracurricular activities for want of a better phrase um so are all of these things and and you said as well earlier in when we were discussing um you know that, that that's work as well work on the band work on your your book work on The other areas um outside of work do you like how do you sort of distinguish them are they still work but one's work pleasure and would it disrupt things if you were getting paid for everything would you just feel like you were overworking like how does how do you keep them as being you know downtime relaxation
1: yeah that's that's a good point Um, i suppose the more involved in something that you get, and the more that you are putting time and structured time with specific goals into a hobby, the more that it's like work, and the more likely it is to give you a little bit more pressure rather than feeling like downtime. But at the same time, I would say the rewards are also greater. So, for example, uh, recovery runners—the running community that I'm in—which as I mentioned, is for kind of, it promotes mental health through running, basically. And we're going for this charitable status and it's that's becoming, as, I, as I'm on the committee um, and as that evolves into something greater than just turning up and running, you know, I've qualified as a run leader. So I've had to go through that training. Um, the more, but then I'm getting more out of it because I can lead people. For example, while I'm pregnant, I can't run. the distances I I was doing, or maybe I could do, but I'm choosing to just do shorter distances. So I'm leading a Couch to 5K program at the moment, which I've dragged my partner on, actually. So although I'm putting more work into that, it's less like downtime. So Sunday mornings, rather than turning up like I was doing, oh, I fancy turning up. So on my time, I'm going to rock up. Instead, I have to be there. People are, are, you know, I'm beholden unto this, this group. So yes, it does feel less like downtime, mm. but I'm getting, I'm doing something for people, and I'm also getting something from it myself. Um, the whole question of, I guess, is there such thing as a truly, you know, philanthropic, selfless um, act? Um, and the same with the band, you know, if if it's not just jamming, if it's more right, we're recording, we need to schedule time, then we've got mm. gigs, so. Yes, it is more more of a a work, uh, Mm. sort of, it has more of an aspect of work um, and it's less downtime. But again, you have real creative output. Um, So again, that outweighs the, maybe the lack of relaxation or something like that. Mm. Um, So ultimately, how do I, keep these as sort of downtime or hobbies I don't really because I end up taking things too seriously and uh, (laughs) putting too much into them um but then for downtime that's what reading and Netflix and things are for and going out for dinner uh... (laughs) anyway I don't know I suppose if we had this conversation in a year's time when this baby will be I don't know how old this is obviously a first child so it's completely novel to me maybe I'll be a bit different, and I'll be saying, Oh, there's no time for anything. It's, I don't know, so maybe things will change.
0: <laughs> we'll you know I never want to work again. I'm just going to spend all my time with children.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, imagine. <laughs> I don't think so. Don't, but yeah, you, think never <laughs> you never know.
0: You never know. No, you don't. know. I mean, yeah. I was going to, I was going to sort of go into, uh, going to kind of the actual work satisfaction. So I was thinking about as we were talking then, um, as I was also listening, uh, <laughs> was, um, so this has come up before when we've, as I've been doing these interviews of like toil and labor and you know, what, what is work? What, what makes it work for you? I mean, is it, is it the getting paid? you know, have you, do you take on these other activities to give you the variety or the struggle or, you know, the various bits that you need and with your, I suppose with your role, if you can talk a little bit about like, where does the, where does the satisfaction come from? Is it sort of getting someone into a role and like, how do you know, you know, how do you know what you've done through the day? Is it just a a sort of email trail or like, because there's a thing when you're working in offices, I've done a lot of office jobs and you, you sort of, you're sort you there all day. You don't really feel like you've done anything. You don't know what you've done. You know, you've done things, but it's kind of like, what did I achieve? I don't know. I sent emails and stuff. So having that, you know, I moved this much earth from here to there, you know, you've done that and you can be proud that you, you know, here's the results of my labor. So how do you get the job satisfaction? And what do you think are the, what are the things that make something work
1: yes i really enjoy having these quite pivotal conversations with people whether that be well it's more enjoyable to discuss a role with somebody who hadn't been thinking about it and obviously suddenly you're it's the first step to changing someone's life in many ways you know somebody's working in a certain role you know i mean obviously for, the, for these roles it'll be quite a senior one um but they might move into you know because given that as I say, we work on sort of these vice chancellorships, CEOs, you know, these are, these are the work that we do and the appointments we make, make a big difference because, you know, these are government agencies or these are, you know, huge charities or, you know, Mm. big universities. So firstly, you're making whomever we are appointing into the position. There's a great impact um, on lots of people's
0: lives. Largely steering the ship exactly yeah
1: um so that that firstly gives a lot of satisfaction secondly it's having those conversations and sort of changing somebody's life you know suddenly they're thinking they're saying to their family that night right this opportunity has arisen you know let's discuss this um so that's good so there's all that side of things which is sort of external to you that you know you've been very instrumental in which is which is nice there's also just the conversations with people it's i find it fascinating to talk to so many different types of person about different things um you know talking to an executive director of corporate services for example is you know quite different to talking to um a medical director or a hospital um or what have you so that variety is really interesting I, i enjoy that and then just as you say um when you can measure things um and, and you have like sort of tangible evidence so obviously we do sort of weekly reports and and things like that and actually when you can submit something to your colleagues in, in my case you know as a researcher to the consultant on the assignment and say look look at this really good you know list of people that you know i've creatively found or you know and then you know when we get to a long list and there's a good long list there and it's all that sort of thing really. it's just seeing that you've achieved what you should have. Um, and sometimes the harder that is to achieve, the more interesting. I've worked on a couple of things which have been so difficult, and I, I actually almost – I would rather the, – the balance is good. I wouldn't want to work yeah. on exclusively difficult assignments. But, um, yeah, sometimes that 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 gives you a real sense of, of achievements. So I think I derive job satisfaction through a few channels, really. Hmm. Because you have to as well, otherwise yeah, you'd yeah. just be...
0: <laughs> yeah, and you get, you 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 take, I mean, I don't know if this this is true for you as well, but I always find, you know, you take sort cool. of little pleasures out of random small things or random tasks that you do in a day of like, you know, part part of a good work day could be, you know, every Monday you go down to reception and you see so-and-so for five minutes. It's like, <laughs> that can be part of your routine.
1: You're right. I think I don't talk a lot about colleagues so much. And I think that's very indicative of the way of the world at the moment. Mm. I think this would have been very different. This would have been a very different conversation if it had been five years ago. I'd probably mm. be talking a lot more about, about my time with colleagues, maybe, rather than how I'm talking. So instead, for example, if somebody works in, at my company, so she's in a completely different sort of function. She's, in, mm. um, she's a business analyst. Mm. Um, I get on really well. With her, I think it's partly because we actually um, were onboarded—great, great, great uh, term—at um, <laughs> the same time. So I sort of knew her but virtually, and then she's at the you know the main office in London. So when I'm down there, we've been for lunch a couple of times, and actually that's given me great satisfaction because she works in a completely different sort of area. And actually, we've just enjoyed a, a long lunch and discussed things, and it's just been a real pleasure but actually she's Mm. i mean funny enough i'm doing an extra job alongside my main job which is to work on um the product team so i'm actually doing quite technical roles in the company as well but i won't get into Mm. that because it just opens a whole other kind of worms but (laughs) aside from that we're in sort of two different roles and yeah so that that's definitely an example of the kind of colleague sort Mm. of fun and obviously we have socials and and the beauty of it is i i have socials in leads in our smaller office and like and the social side of things with the London lot so but yeah I just noticed when I was talking my answers to a lot of your questions don't really tend to revolve around colleagues they revolve around the specific
0: job I think that was a really interesting yeah I think that's a really interesting insight that you know because I did a couple of interviews before we went into lockdown and then then I would was really stupid for ages and didn't think of zoom or you know recording remotely i was like i can't do it anymore i can't go to people's houses and then yeah the penny drops but yeah no nobody's made that point and it's a point that's not necessarily occurred to me either uh, i mean people do talk about colleagues like occasionally but yeah i think you're right you we it could be a very very different conversation five years ago couldn't be much more about oh, well, then I work alongside so-and-so and and we do this and we do that. And, you know, yeah, people would definitely, colleagues would definitely be more present in the mind. Whereas now they're less present because we're all working from home. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's a good point. Any, any other thoughts, any other areas that you've thought about in this domain? I'm not sure really. I mean,
1: I think I do find the whole idea of commute of commuting in general, just commutes, I find quite a fascinating sort of topic. I think obviously because working in the field that I do um, and discussing, you know, potential opportunities with with people, um, these real logistical things to do with work, I think are very interesting. And there's a lot more to be discussed around them now that the world is a lot more flexible and hybridized and what have you, whereas before perhaps there was more of a mentality, which was, uh, I don't know, people just conforming to these strict hours and Mm. a place to be, you know, almost like factory working or something, but just translated into an office. Mm. Um, Whereas now I suppose people want to, people feel they've got more options. Mm. They know that, that they could move to different companies and have, Work-life balance, as people like to term it, that could fit them fit their preferences better. I just think maybe, perhaps, these logistical considerations can come to the fore a bit more these days. People can decide, or perhaps people want to commute. Well, for example, if I go to London every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. that works well in this modern modern way. This contemporary. Uh, post 2019 world but who knows whether I would have been brought on in my company in the team that I am doing and things in the role that I'm doing in the Leeds office without this virtual connectivity between everybody and then going down to London every two weeks I don't know whether I would have been because I don't think that maybe the firm or any other firm obviously would have been prepared for somebody to do that i would have been too isolated and perhaps yeah. it just wouldn't have happened yeah. whereas now i was able to work for this company quite easily because it's fine for me to work from leeds connect with mm. people virtually and then go down every couple of weeks and and connect physically um so there is that but i think i'm not the only person to like reap the benefits of the of the modern age i think people might be more likely to commute further because they're only commuting two days a week or they might decide actually I've wasted so much of my life commuting Mm. two hours every day I'm no longer going to stay in this job I'm getting a job closer to home I don't know I think it could be Mm. all manner of of decisions I think have been made look at all the people who've had you know sheds and shacks in the back of their gardens (laughs) connected with you know super fast wi-fi and Mm. electricity and you know, had these whole places converted, I don't know, so that they can, those sorts of people aren't going to suddenly go back to a a nine-to-five job within an office or something Mm. and then not make use of that. So I don't know, I just think people have taken back control of their own lives a bit more and perhaps can have more to leverage, maybe.
0: Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's harder it's harder for people to make excuses like, oh, well, you can't work from home because it's like, well, we all just did, <laughs> oh, you can't do this. It's like, well, we just did that, you know, but things can't, yeah. When, when you've stopped everything and said, all oh, the rules don't matter, you can't then go back to like, oh, all the rules do matter now. <laughs> yeah. It's quite difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it would be interesting to know, because obviously without, you know, naming names, I'm aware of a particular company that's national and big, And from what I've heard from kind of a friend of a friend or the wife of a friend, um, they seem to be quite archaic in their approach. It's almost quite surprising, you know, and, and that can't be the only company. I'm sure there are companies which are a bit more, I don't know, cracking the whip and forcing people. Probably companies which already exercise what would be considered by many and by me probably to be kind of very archaic sort of working um working practices anyway uh, enforced on on employees um so there must still be companies operating like that in spite of everything that's that's oh, happened. Yeah. I mean
0: because they're that, not well, gonna yeah. their game are they? They're not gonna oh, no. well we bet we better try harder and pay people more and treat them better. It's like no, we're still in business.
1: Do yeah. it worse. <laughs> exactly. But then at the same time, you know, my firm, my partner's firm You know, my immediate experience of companies is kind of those two, I guess. And actually we have quite a lot of flexibility and you know, this but I I do have to remind myself like those that can't necessarily be the norm. You know, there could well be, as you say, (laughs) companies just cracking the whip or a lot of companies never let people go home in the first place. You know, there probably people who were really worried about their health or their loved ones, especially when when things weren't I mean, that's the other thing, which I guess we haven't even really talked about too much, is just people in general and their approaches to covid and their fears or their lack thereof people's attitudes differ so vastly um i think it's it's good when a company can take those into account you know that some people want to be in the office and like the interaction whereas other people have been scared of contracting the virus or what have you and i guess everyone's entitled to
0: to their own. Try, try and be safe. Yeah. <laughs> if you can be on this planet. Yeah. But I was listening today, you know, they were talking again about the, this great, great wave of people leaving work, sort of most, more especially in the US. Um, and like, oh, it's a big problem because the people are leaving work. And like, like we've had, you know, we had with the HTV drivers the other year and so on. And most of the time, like there'll be loads of people going, "Oh, we can't get staff. We can't get staff." And the question, my first question is, like, have you thought about paying people more? You know, like have you thought about offering higher wages? And <laughs> you might get more people. But I think there's a, a like outside of sort of straightforward, um, you know, just kind of hiring people. I do think there's a whole. Um, Oh, this is an area that we could go into. So I think there's a whole thing with, with recruitment. And I think a lot of the recruitment process is just really not fit for purpose at all. Um, because I've seen plenty of places, you know, like, that find it really hard to get candidates or the, and then their candidates will leave straight away. And, like, the whole process is slow and clunky. And it's supposed yeah. to provide these, like, reassurances and, like, you know, like, it's supposed to have checks and balances in it, that you're actually hiring the person that you want for the JD that you want. And the, the job description is supposed to actually describe the job <laughs> all the time. So much of that doesn't work. Uh, yeah. so you're in like, I imagine as well, part of your role is that you are using some of these recruitment software tools and things like that. So you, are you, uh, and sales stuff as well? Is that are you using any of that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so Salesforce, for example. Um, yeah, so some of those tools definitely. But I think that's that's exactly it. This is, I think, what you've just described is part of the reason that many organizations want to use a professional executive search firm for their yeah. for their, you know, high profile top um to get people buyers. that are right and
0: that will stay. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But um I think you're right for plenty of businesses, you know, hiring, you know, even Sort of mid level staff, or what have you, or entry level, or any other kind of level, I guess either they're a lot of them probably aren't doing a particularly good job um, <laughs> of advertising the roles or ta- targeting the right people, um, or maybe they're using agencies which aren't really fit for purpose. But I see what you mean. And then again, you know, as well as recruiting staff, which is difficult at, at the moment because you say there's there are a lot of jobs and people are being far more choosy um, and selective there's also the matter of of staff retention I guess too because again if people think well actually I could go to a similar company where I feel like I'm going to be treated better then they will go (laughs) so it's what do you do you know whether it's you know you need to look at your salaries or you need to look at a lot of other policies I think plenty of companies could do with yeah with really picking apart their policies properly and and doing better
0: Mm. Yeah. So have you had to, like, have you become totally fluent in, um, you know, like recruitment jargon and sales jargon as well through this role or like how many, Don't and know. have you had to learn sort of about different industry? I mean, because now you were recruiting in sort of a more science area before, weren't you? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you you, is it like other sales jobs where you kind of have to learn a little bit about the role and the profession and the area that they're looking after. So, like, are you constantly learning stuff through that as well?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, So I think ultimately with what I'm doing now, um, given that it's all leadership roles and it's all kind of executive leadership or it's non-executive board roles, obviously all these roles are not the same. They require kind of different skill sets. Some are more operational, some are more strategic, or they have... You know, very. You know, there are various, you know, completely different profiles and portfolios. At the same time, you know, good leadership does have uh, constants. You know, so somebody's going to be a good leader with, you know, various um, qualities or what have you. So I think that kind of translates across the sectors, just like functions translate well across the sectors. You know, an HR director or a chief finance officer, I guess. Shares a lot of the same pref- preferable qualities, um, no matter the sector. So there is that side to it. But at the same time, yes, you really have to learn the sectors, and that takes time. You know, as we mm. came to before. You know, so for me to kind of develop my career in this area, I'll have to have. You know, y- you move up in your career, don't you? And you develop in your career also based on I the do. time that you so yeah also based on the time that you spend in yeah. the in the sector so that you can learn and gain that kind of experience too mm. um so yeah basically as well as originally life sciences and biotech and what have you um i'm now yeah i've gained a lot more insight and knowledge in into the public sector um mm. especially the nhs and, and and higher education obviously i was working in higher education so I already had prior knowledge of that um but yeah definitely and and that's part of of the fun really is knowing a sector and knowing an industry um I mean it's going to be
0: fabulous for your networking isn't it yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be like hey remember me I got you this job (laughs) 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 have you got any jobs for me (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, good point. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think of something to kind of, because um, I think we've got plenty of material there now. I'm trying to think of something to kind of wind it up. Um, do you feel like there's anything I've not touched on, anything we've not sort of covered? I mean, one one area I want to kind of ask people about more is unions. Um. And not necessarily like, you know, why aren't you in a union? But like, just to see. So the main reason that people aren't in unions, um, is no one's ever asked them. So (laughs) have you ever been in a union? Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's the kind of role that would necessarily need it, but you know, you never know. And if you, if you haven't, why haven't you, you know, I can phrase that better, but you know, there's the question for now. Sure. (laughs) So I haven't
1: been in a union before, mm. and the sole reason I suppose is that I haven't considered it because I haven't been asked. Mm. So my apologies if my answer is a little short and uh,
0: yeah, dull. That's a, that's a good answer. I mean, you know, it, it is like the main reason is that people aren't asked. To... I can talk about, about pregnancy and work. Oh yes, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> So this
1: is something I didn't realise. As I say, I'm pregnant with a a first child and that's not to imply that I'll necessarily have any more. It's just that, yeah, this is a a new thing for me. New experience. Um, Very new experience. Um, It's interesting. I know that different women react differently to pregnancy and have different sort of experiences, but across the board, I think, you know, there are mappable, you know, identifiable kind of trimesters and the, the symptoms that come with them. And definitely working in a you know full-time job you know mine is actually a seated job the majority of the time obviously i get up and go for a run or i do i do things with my with my time to make sure that i'm mobile but you know it is a, a seated job so i don't know what it would be like for other people in other positions but the first trimester is very tough um you are absolutely exhausted you know and and nauseous there are certain people who you know sick all the time and things Mm -hmm. um and it's also during that first 12 weeks that a lot of the time you're not disclosing to anybody that you're pregnant either until that that 12-week scan so yeah that's something i've sort of been through recently just thinking gosh it's tough i've heard Mm -hmm. stories of people napping throughout the day or you know going from one meeting to a nap to another meeting to so i managed to work fine throughout the first trimester, but it was definitely tough. And I was actually glad that my role and my workload happened to take a bit of a natural sort of not dip, but if it had been as hectic during my first trimester pregnancy as it has been in the second one, I don't know how I would have coped. Whereas it just so happens that I've been rammed with work when my energy levels are back and I'm kind of So that's just something interesting to note, I think. Mm. Um, you know, I was going down to London, which was I don't know, I think the train journeys were quite tough. I just felt so nause- nauseated. And then I was getting to my hotel and just sleeping from kind of half eight, you know. So I just think it's something interesting to mention as, as an aspect of, of work, which I guess, you know, quite obviously plenty of women, um, you know, aren't pregnant, but, you know, it does happen to obviously quite a few. And, mm. um, yeah, it's just interesting because it is quite tough um and at the same time the, the toughest part is when you you're not really telling anyone yet <laughs> mm. you have to sort of
0: suffer inside it is it is a weird area so uh i can we can kind of link this back to the sort of well-being thing but i saw a thing on linkedin today yeah again to do with wellness so i keep losing my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so the the question was so it was a question on linkedin and they were like you know do you Does your boss actually, you know, care about your health along these workplace wellbeing sort of things. And it's interesting how, you know, to a degree they kind of, there are certain things that are chosen of like, we want to look after your wellbeing in this area, but then in other areas, it kind of gets ignored, you know, like I would imagine the attitude to that sort of, you know, if it is the the first 12 weeks. And you're not telling people and it's like, oh, they're off work or they're in late or, you know, everything's kind of going wrong. There should be the, I mean, there should be more support there for that period of time and I think, yeah, I think the wellbeing thing is very much geared towards. Basically, we want you to smile at work while you're working rather than like, (laughs) we want you to be healthy enough to turn up and do the job basically. But yeah, do you feel that there's like should there be more support? Should you be able to work less? Like, but what, what would you change work-wise in terms of, of the pregnancy? Like, would you want to sort of ease down hours earlier? or? Um...
1: No, I mean, I'm fine with it, but I think it would depend on who you speak to and what they do. So there definitely should be things in place. But then if somebody isn't disclosing the pregnancy, then, then the company can't do anything, I guess. So you could, mm-hmm. you know, you could argue that. I'm sure plenty of companies are mindful of it but then i'm sure plenty are not it's one of those i think it must be so dependent on somebody's situation mm. um i mean the actual sort of parental allowance um for when people are actually on leave with the child i mean maybe that probably ought to be looked into because looking at you know the the amount it's, <laughs> it's not very livable <laughs> mm. I, I don't know how political or critical this podcast is supposed to get but um that's probably a you know where i to be influencing policy or entering into uh government in that in that sort of capacity that's something i would probably want to look into and change um but then again as you said in relation to was it probably ubi or whatever um it's all very well saying these things and 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 as much as most people probably agree, it's how do you actually implement them? How do you actually fund uh, <laughs> increases in you know in parental support? So you know, um, you know, and you could be working, you could be living in countries where you know, so you, it comes back again. It all comes back to gratitude um, <laughs> for what, <laughs> of what you have. But yeah, I think there are plenty of there are plenty of things that are worth um, picking apart and and perhaps. Uh, bringing about change in, in regard to you know pregnancy and maternity and parental leave i mean thankfully this age as well you know there's shared parental leave which my partner and i are planning to do so you know i think things are improving very much so
0: mm. good um are you are you kind of looking forward to the maternity leave or are you are you dreading it at all <laughs> no, I'm like, looking oh, forward no, i to i it. can't work now when i've got to you know i've got to actually do have this baby now
1: (laughs) yeah no i think it'll be fun i'm really really excited um i'm really i'm really excited i'm i'm kind of over the moon as my partner um so yeah definitely wouldn't change anything at all um really looking forward to it but it's such an unknown quantity i can't even imagine you know Mm. it's funny enough it's funny enough kind of feeling a child like moving inside i don't know what it's going to be like when it's here in the house (laughs) it's it's gonna be be, yeah
0: (laughs) but fun yeah i keep saying i'm gonna get into the practice of kind of making notes as as i'm doing this you know so i can refer back (laughs) but the thing is i can cut all of this out as well so there's only you that sees it with with me faffing about. (laughs) oh yeah exactly (laughs) i don't think it looks that bad that's Um, right I, th- I think we've covered a fair bit there. I think we've got some some good stuff in that.
1: Yeah, I think we've covered quite a
0: lot. Yeah, and that like, as well, you know you can you can listen back to this in a year, two years' time. <laughs> you know, oh, I remember that. I remember how different my life was then. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, actually, um I actually hosted a podcast um, on a radio show. Mm. in york that were all around, all kind of centered around arts either people so i would interview people who kind of owned galleries or mm. were artists or a bit of both or curators or things like that and i really enjoyed that i sort of missed that sort of thing it's it's nice especially creating your own show or your own podcast like you've done there's something mm. so nice about that um but i think even look, listening back to stuff like that as a host it's kind of oh yeah life was very different then I hadn't even gone into this line of work at that point and it was yeah. you know kind of around the corner but I didn't know it yet and um no it is really interesting but um I yeah, think no. you know you were mentioning my hobbies or you know side projects or what have you yeah. in addition to work and I think it is really the creative aspect of it that you even if you're part of a team you know some projects are solo projects like I guess you're podcast or writing a novel but you know a band so you know there there are more of us not a huge number but you know that's a collaborative pro- i think but i think ultimately maybe it gives you also certain differing levels of not control but kind of uh ownership and mm. authorship because um, yeah. in my job yeah I really enjoy it. like being in a defined role, like mm-hmm. that I'm on a you know trajectory towards other positions and kind of growing. I, I like all that. But at the same time, that sort of is what it is. You're in a bigger corporation, you're in your kind of role that's dependent on this greater machine and interactions with other people and yes you're responsible for what you're doing and you can do the best that you can and that's great Mm. and you know you get a lot of satisfaction from from that but i think with these other projects there are varying levels to which you are the master of them you know Mm. writing a novel that's you um Mm. in a band it's a few of you or a larger community Yeah, but I I suppose that's the reason a lot of people really like being self-employed. I mean, how many people go on about how they love being (laughs) self-employed? That's probably for that reason. So maybe maybe way down the line, maybe starting my own sort of firm or being self-employed might be something I I would enjoy because then I guess you are kind of the creative
0: master of it. Thank you again to Claudia for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests and thanks to you for listening. So before we go into the static outro, I just want to say that it's been really hard for me putting this episode out. I had three days of no listeners last week, don't know why, but it just topped off a bunch of other things that were bumming me out and it all just makes me wonder why I'm bothering with this and whether there's ever going to be any real audience for it. I know now this show will never make me any money and I'm not sure that it's really doing me much good even as content marketing. I'm doing this podcast for me ultimately. But quite often, I don't care about it at all, because why should I? It's probably not interesting to anyone else, and it seems it's not something people really want or are bothered for, so I really had to bully myself into putting this out today. Anyway, I have a couple of interviews left to go, which I will put out, and maybe one or two more interviews that I have booked in to record at the moment, but if I can't pass 1,000 downloads by the end of next month, then I think... I'm really going to have to have a rethink about the whole show. Maybe the show needs to be subscriber only, be behind a paywall or something else. But it needs to be doing something for me other than just being a thing for me to do. A thing I need to tell myself I have to do because I'm not looking forward to doing it because the only person I know I'm doing it for is myself. And so I don't care because I don't need to. Maybe it just needs winding up as a bad idea. I don't know. I mean... It is empirically a bad idea, and I can only extrapolate that lack of value I've failed to create for myself out to everybody else in Leeds. So, if anyone has anything good to say about this show or this project, now is really the time to let me know. Next week I will be speaking to Anne from Cards or Die, so please come back for that, and hopefully I'll feel a whole lot better about myself and my stupid ideas by then. If you're listening to this, I assume you have some connection to Leeds. Like living here or being from here. If you're such a person in Leeds or from Leeds and you haven't done your recording for working hours yet, then don't wait! Email me right now, right now, quick get a pen, Pod at western studios.com. Let's arrange some time for us to record your working hours interview. If you fancy being my guest, put guest in the subject of your email and add a short bio and some suggestions of your availability. If you want to be on working hours, we will need a two hour window in which to record. I can record in your work time or during your downtime. I have been recording interviews over Zoom for over a year, but I can record offline too. You can appear on working hours anonymously, or you can promote yourself and or your company or your brand. Cleaner or owner, what is your experience? How do you feel about work? What do you like and not like? What do you do leads? Be a part of local history, have your voice heard, share your wisdom, give us the, unsa- give us the inside skinny. This is your show, Leeds. It's all about what you make of yourself. Do you know what you're doing? If you do, then come and tell me about it. Come on, even if you don't. Email me right now. Get that pen, Working pod at westernhyphenstudios.com. If you're allowed to, that is. If you're not allowed to, then tell me why not. If you and your business aren't ashamed of what you do, then let's hear about it. What good are you doing the rest of us? Are you socially useful? Am I? Is this? Email me right now. Get that pen. WorkingHoursPod at western-studios.com Send me feedback, questions, comments and queries about Working Hours. What is happening, Leeds? Follow this show on Twitter at WorkingHours3 and on Instagram at WorkingHoursPodLeads to find out when episodes are being released or use the hashtag workinghourspod to find me on either. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I hate it there. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash simon hyphen treen or you can go to my company page which is uh, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios if you want to make a podcast in leeds whether it's for a cause a publicity campaign a product promotion and or your passion projects then get in touch with western studios for support advice and guidance on anything podcasts at Western Studios, you can work with the real loiner who is actually in leads that you can actually work with on making podcast content. So don't wade through articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts. Western Studios can just make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios can take on your podcast admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about it i really want to hear from other failed screenwriters such as myself to look at making your material as audio content so if you have an old script hanging around and again you are leads based then get in touch i'd love to hear from you uh ditto to performers and actors who might be interested in doing voice work got an inkling that you'd like a podcast but you don't know where to start then hit me up at podcast at western-studios.com and we'll start making your podcast the first hour of consultation and pre-production will be free for you so get in touch and let's have a chat save the hassle save the headache and make your podcast with a leads based in real life podcast producer me at western studios leads once again please let working hours get big and strong by joining its patreon support working hours by becoming a champion on patreon for a pound a month you can also chat to me about the show and god do i need to find someone to talk to about this go to patreon.com forward slash working pod right now and sign up please please remember to like share follow and subscribe to this show every little bit helps tell your gran tell your housekeeper tell your gardener tell your parole officer tell your boss tell leads and i'll see thee next time Working Hours is presented, edited and recorded by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org.